And welcome back to our second podcast. Uh, my name is Nemi Yassini. I'm co-founder of New Republic, and I will be your host for today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jess, one of my co-hosts, is away sick. So we're sending you our love. Hope you a speedy recovery. But I have my main man and my second co-host, Richard from Optimizely, with me. Rich, say hello. Hello. And we are very, very lucky and honoured to have our special guest, Justin, Justin, I was going to say your last name, but I, I just freaked out and I don't want to do it now. So, Justin, <laughs> say hello and introduce yourself to the crew. Hey, young, I'm Justin Bowman from You Know Home Loans and the marketing team. And if you guys haven't seen You Know Home Loans, I don't know where the hell you are. They're advertising everywhere and they're one of the coolest new brands in the scene. So, today, guys, I, uh, I've got one thing that I would like to discuss and three questions I'm going to ask you. So today's podcast, I really wanted to focus it on Australia's maturity and experimentation. So what do you think is working? What's holding us back in business? And you know, what would help organizations get more out of experimentation? So that's the theme for today. Three questions I want to ask. First one is, do you believe that we're behind in the practice of experimentation? You know, the old adage, we're in Australia, we're five years behind everybody else. Is that true or is that complete maloney? The second one is, what are the challenges businesses face in setting up and building a mature experimentation program? And the last one, if you could do it again, what would you do differently? And for all the people who are about to log off because they think this isn't for me, I want you to know we're going to give you at the end of the show three top tips to running your killer experiment from two of the leading experimentation guys in the market. So that's enough of me. I'm going out of breath. I'm going to flick it over. Justin, why don't you kick off? Why don't we start with you with, do you believe we're behind in the practice of experimentation compared to the rest of the world? Look, I can only speak uh, for where we are. And it's a funny thing. Some days I feel like we're miles behind um, just with some of the stuff that you read and some of the stuff that you hear. And then some days I feel, and this is generally when we speak to people sort of externally, uh, sometimes I feel like we're, you know, experimentation superheroes almost with some of the stuff that we've done. Yeah. Um, so, so it probably doesn't answer your question, you know, properly. Are we behind? I think in some cases, yes. Um, but I think in other cases, no. And, and it's very um, dependent on the actual business that you're in. I think some people are a lot further ahead than others. Yep. Yeah, interesting. And, and Rich, I know you, you talk, uh, you're in a part of a big global company. So, I mean, you'd be in a... Yeah, I get, I, I get to take the, um, the opposing position, which is I, I spend all the time, all of my time is spent speaking with organizations that are thinking about doing experimentation, have started doing experimentation and my um, organization operates the whole way around the world. So we have customers on every continent. And my opinion is that um, in Australia, experimentation is delivering a fraction of the value that it could and worse, I don't think it's on the track, on track to get any better. That's, uh, that's controversial, dude. Don't pause there. I think you've got more to say. Uh, I do have lots more to say. Uh, I like the short, sharp, controversial comment. Unpacking that just a little bit, my impression of the vast majority of experimentation programs in Australia is that they are restricted to marketing, focused on acquisition, and that the velocity of those programs are quite slow compared to the velocity elsewhere in the world. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, we did that, the research piece that Jaz, I've shown Jaz and we did together. 
I don't think we're immature in the way we're thinking of experimentation. I think we're immature in the way we spread experimentation across the organization. So in a way, organizations and experimentation are immature, but I, I, you know, looking, being part of Go Group and seeing experimentation from around the world, we're not that far behind in what we do from a marketing perspective. We're not that far behind. I think in some instances, we're really leading the way. In the usage of it across an organization, I agree. I think we're pretty immature. But I'd almost say, Nima, that the organizations that have the, that, that are engaging agencies to help uh, are those that are open to doing things differently. There are lots of organizations out there that are trying to do it themselves. And, and in that study that you're referring to, the, the um, state of experimentation maturity in Australia, uh, it was pretty clear that financial services as, as an industry segment, the companies in that segment have been doing this the longest. But I, I've got two quick an- anecdotes. We spoke to a big four bank that uh, is focused on marketing and acquisition and their backlog has experiments on there that they say will take three years to get to and they're boasting about that. So they know there's something that they want to test today, but they're yeah. not going to be able to test it until 2022 and they feel proud about that fact. And the second one was a tier two bank that has a program that's starting out with marketing, which is fine, the public facing website. They know they want to do internet banking and app, but they're going to start on the public facing website. They've been doing that for years and it's not done in inverted commas. So there's no timeline for them to actually get to the customer, the the, the parts with which their actual customers interact with, not their leads. So to me, customers where the value is, Retaining them, keeping them happy is far greater in terms of re- returns rather than just simply acquiring more. And it, it is a constant point of frustration that organizations are not thinking, how do we broaden our programs? They're satisfied for some reason, keeping them just in the marketing space. But when you're selling, who are you selling to? Are you selling to like the marketing team or are you selling to the operation? Like who, who do you go and talk to when you're going out and talking about experimentation? Who, who do you get in front of? So one thing that we found is that um, programs are not uh, likely to be successful in the long term if they don't have support from the executive. So traditionally, we're beginning at the executive. Uh, and that might be marketing, but it also might be like a chief customer officer. So then is looking at customers. Also, a lot of the customer portals, uh, especially in financial services, but this could be across a wide range of industries, yeah. Um, the, the systems that they interact with are owned by product and engineering. So it might be chief technology officers and, and they're punting it back to marketing and saying, well, we're not, we're not building experimentation into what we do. Jaz, what about for you? I mean, you, you, you've, been, you've been doing this for a while now and I've been following what you guys have been doing. Like, how did it start for you? And then how did you take like what I think Richie's Rich saying is going across the organization. Where are you guys really focused with your experimentation program? Uh, we were lucky from the get-go, we had buy-in right from the top, if not mm. mandated from the top. So we sort of had to get this thing up and running. And as a startup, like everything is an experiment for us anyway. You know, we're continually, we're experimenting just with business itself, and even, you know, the way our business runs internally. So this is just a multitude of experiments all the time. So it's ingrained in our DNA, really. It's interesting. You know, where we are, some of the constraints that I think that we have is... Um, Making it a BAU sort of thing, like we've been a lot of, we've done a lot of stop start when it comes to our experimentation program. We'll get it up and running, and then something else will come up where people have to be pulled away, uh, and then we'll get it back up and running again. And it feels kind of like when we release a new product or a new part of the product, a lot of the resources are sucked into doing that. 
and then we kind of go into the experimentation process to make that work as opposed to having this you know business that is already has been functioning well for years and years and years and then just sort of iteratively trying to improve that that's not really what we're at the stage that we're at and i definitely think some of our biggest constraints are we have some really big ideas for experimentation but i think the sort of technical structure of our business as it stands it's a constraint to executing on some of those ideas so we're in a phase now of building out our apis and making them a lot more accessible um, yeah. so people like you could come in with a team uh, externally and just have your own ideas your own way of thinking and, and execute on that without taking up any internal resource yeah and i think that leads to my second question around what's holding us back and i i, I mean hazard a guess here most organizations marketing has like if you think about the last five years marketing has been spending on infrastructure that allows that gives flexibility to marketing so experimenting in that space becomes a lot easier but then once you go into product and other areas of the business they haven't got those the systems restrict the ability to run experiments is that what you've been finding Josh? is that the thing that's been holding because you guys are predominantly a marketing sales focused experimenter rather than retention or other parts of the business experimentation right Exactly, yeah. So we've been focused pretty much on the top of the funnel um, and getting that to the point where we, we feel it's in a good enough state to then take the limited amount of resource we have um, and focus on retaining all those new users that we're able to acquire. So we're literally in that phase at the moment and we're just about to bring on a new sort of customer communications platform that'll really help us with that retention piece and there'll be a hell of a lot of experimentation that happens there. Right, and, and do you see it as a... Do you think it's a lack of maturity or do you think it's a lack of uh, infrastructure and systems that allows you to do experimentation in that space? Oh, for us personally, I think it's a combination of both of those things. I think yeah. we've, we've matured over time, but we've, we've spent the last three years trying to figure out how to do it as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I knew early on that we would probably need help doing this and we actually um, got a CRO company from the US on board for a little while there who did um, some sort of cool things with us. But again, it was that stop-start thing. We didn't sort of keep it going and maintain that yep. momentum. Yeah, um, We just did it as a one-off project and then we had other things to focus on. And is that a, do you think that's an ownership problem or a leadership problem? I think it's kind of an ownership and a resource constraint problem more so than a, a leadership problem. It, it's just, you know, it's one of those things you get, I guess with only a handful of people that kind of are really sort of dedicated to making this happen, there's, you're torn in a lot of different directions, especially, yeah. you know, in a startup. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And can, I ask, can I ask you a quick question there? So um, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about this and I'm keen to get your thoughts, Justin, that the space that we're in originally branded itself as conversion rate optimization, which then is optimizing something that already exists and conversion rates are typically marketing. So we kind of dug ourselves into that hole. Uh, whereas the experimentation that I think you're referring to, and I'm definitely referring to, is the more innovation-based experimentation. We're doing things for the first time that we've never done before, and that is an experiment. So is, is there a piece of that as well, which is we, we've just pigeonholed it for some reason, and because uh, of that language, it's not getting the traction it needs in the other parts of the business? I think... Um I think in some businesses that would definitely be the case. I, I much prefer the term experimentation than conversion rate optimization. 
you know, and our loan score product that we just released recently is a really good example of that. It's an experiment to see whether that particular part of our platform is going to perform much better than the other parts of the platform. And we, we had nothing to optimize because it didn't exist, right? We had to ideate, we had to build it, and now we've got to iterate on it. So it's becoming sort of conversion rate optimization, but the idea itself was an experiment. So Rich, in the conversations you have, I mean, I know for me, a lot of times when I come into experimentation, it's very much focused on we're getting killed on this or, you know, we've got issues on our funnel. So can you come or, you know, 50% of people abandon at the form. Can you come and help me optimize this? So a lot of the conversations where you get involved, it's always proving the justification of doing experimentation by showing an uplift of some sort in the conversations you're having. It, is it more diverse? Like, cause you're talking globally, like do you find the U S it's much more customer retention or more balance between conver- uh, conversion and retention. Like, does it change or is it just an Australian thing that we're so focused on? Give me an uplift, give me an uplift. Uh, the, the conversations generally begin in the same place. You've got one area of the organization with some particular challenge or opportunity, and this is seen as a tactical way to solve it. So that is common with Australia. Yep. Um, maybe some of those tactics are then coming from the customer teams, which is, which is different, but they all are starting in one spot where we then um, see differences is that when, when that conversation is elevated to say, great, let's take this tactic and apply it across the organization. That is less agreeable in Australia. There aren't too many organizations that say we can take that level of thinking and apply it across a group. It, it gets stuck in that tactical area for one particular part of the business. And I see that, which your second question was, what are the, what are the main challenges? I actually see this as a cultural transformation. It's a mm. new way of making decisions and that, that causes all sorts of challenges within a business. Mm. And I don't think we've been able to nail as a set of organizations in general in Australia, the ability to do that kind of cultural transformation. And actually controversial point, do you think this, the you know how we all said calling it A-B testing was a bad thing, talking about but, button color test was a bad thing, calling it CRO is not the best thing. Now we've all agreed on experimentation. Last week, you, you know, last episode, you talked about test and learn. Do you think talking about a culture of experimentation is the bad thing? Because it's so big and nebulous. It's like every company's got a, you know, digital transformation happening. Do you think it's, it's too big or we just missed the boat? Yeah, I do worry cultural transformation is too big, mm. but I think that's what it needs to be. So the second part to it, the, the other challenge that I think about is how do you measure return um, in advance? Not, not uh, how do you estimate what the returns of such a change would be? And if yeah. you're looking tactically fixing a particular area of my funnel, then I've got a pretty good idea what the return of that is going to be. That's measurable. Whereas to change the way the organization makes decisions, how do you measure what the return of that's going to be? And if you can't, how do you then win the support needed in priority to other transformation projects you could be going down? Okay. So that's interesting. So hold on. There's something in here that I need to ask is, so you're saying maturity of a program is based on how many departments are running experiments, not velocity. There are lots of aspects to maturity. I will not let you pigeonhole me in just one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> if you had to pick your top three and Judge, I'd love to hear yours as well. What factors do you think means that you have a mature experimentation program? So the top three would be a BAU or always on approach to experimentation. One would be uh, having a framework 
Uh, so it's consistent across the board, across, uh, across teams. Yeah. Uh, that also really helps with being able to go back and like say we did this, 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 and this. Um, and someone who knew, someone new who comes in doesn't have to reinvent the wheel because they can go back to all that documentation and see what happened and what worked and what didn't. And the third one I would say is a structured approach to ideation and, and good prioritization on those ideas. Rich, do you agree? Anything to add? Yeah, I, I actually really like that, Justin. Whenever we look at maturity, the, the metrics that we're looking at or the measures that we're looking at, things like, as you say, name of velocity, but not in the sense of, hey, I'm doing more tests. It's more how many of the decisions that need to be made have an experiment backing them up. It could, if you're just doing five a year, but you're making 100 decisions in a year, then that's not a huge amount. Um, so velocity is one. And then breadth and depth. So is it across an organization? And how deeply does it go within that particular division? Uh, and then the use of tech. So this is not experimentation in isolation. It is how does it integrate within your ecosystem? How is it communicating with the other pieces of technology that you've got? Um, is, is it a standalone program or is it part of the way that your business operates? Yep. Um, so that's kind of broad sense. Whereas Justin, I think your points are really around when you get into the nuts and bolts of a program, how, how well is that program being run? For sure, yeah. I think the one thing I would add, I, I agree with all those. I think the thing that I would add is the diversity of experiments the types of experiments. Cause I find like a lot of organizations, they're like, Oh yeah, we, we know exactly what we're doing and all they've ever run is an AB test. So once you talk about other experiment types, they're just completely lost. They have no idea how to, and I find the more mature they are, the more they realize that different experiment types will create different outcomes. And sometimes you got to use a multivariate test for something. And so I find maturity is, is knowledge of, what the different tools are and how to use those tools in different scenarios, which is more nuts and bolts where Jaws is. But I find people or organizations that are mature are going wide. They understand those tool sets. And I think the most important for me, a really mature organization in experimentation has learned a way to share the outcomes and ideas of experiments. Cause I find the bigger the organization is the less the ability to like, one department's ran, ran an experiment on something and the other department's run the exact same experiment, wasting all those resources, creating it, developing it, running it, reporting when the other department's exactly done exactly that, they could leverage. So I find really mature organizations have got that. And it's such a hard one to get right is how do you share, especially if you're really big and you run a lot of experiments and you've got all these experiments sitting into an engine, how do you actually get that stuff bubbling to the top or easy to find an index? I find really mature organizations have got that crack. I can't say I've met any. I've read documents of them, but I haven't met any just yet. Have you, Rich? I mean, you, you see a lot of companies, have you? I, I, I'm going to answer that in a different way. The, Why can't you just answer it in one way? <laughs> the, the tidbit that I would like to share on this, on this sort of topic is we, yeah. we talk in general, there's lots of general words while we're on this podcast around things that we like to see organizations do. But I imagine listeners are thinking, well, give me specifics. What are we actually talking about? So when we're talking about across an organization, there's a couple of areas of experiments that I, I want organizations to be thinking about, like call centers or the support team that are supporting customers. What about experimenting with the scripts that agents are using on a telephone? or experimenting with the processes that agents are going through as a customer is trying to do one kind of transaction. Those are areas where 
like a website, people are going from A to B and you've got a funnel and you've got success metrics. That's an area where experimentation can give huge amounts of value that maybe isn't apparent to an organization that's looking at conversion rate optimization in a traditional marketing sense. That's interesting. So just tell me something. You're talking about bringing up your technology so you know you can get more experiments across the business. Do you think that that's something that will happen or do you think you'll create this infrastructure but the rest of the business isn't ready so there's an education piece that now needs to happen? Oh, no, we'll make it happen. Like, that's the reason why we're doing it. So part of the justification of um, getting these APIs created is so we can do the experimentation. And if, you, if there's one part of the business that you would go to first, where would you go? Uh, that's a good question. So our product is the backbone of what we do. So that's, that, that is where we're going first. We have done some experimentation like Richard talks about within the service team, but I don't think we've been very good at um, pulling back pure data from those experiments to really understand what worked and what didn't apart from just anecdotal feedback, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think there's something in um, being able to create one of those experiments and literally being able to tag the people that you talk to with what script you used and what script you didn't use and the time frame that that was carried. Just the same way you do digitally, right? So yeah, I, I agree that there's a lot in that. Yeah, interesting. So I, I think I want to interject before we go to the third question because, you know, we're kind of, it's coming up to um, that time. Uh, I, I had this idea. Now tell me if you guys love it, but I really hope it takes off. Um, I know a lot of times when I listen to podcasts, I hear someone talking like someone like Richard and I'm like, oh my God, I just want to respond to that guy right now, but it's a podcast, so I can't. So what I wanted to do was I have this idea. If you're listening to this podcast and you have something that you want to say to me, Justin or Richard or Jess, because you know, she's not here, but you, the last podcast you heard something you want to comment to, Send me an email at hello at New Republic. Now, remember, Republic's spelled with an I-Q-U-E at the end. So hello at New Republic with podcast in the title. Say what comment and say who you want me to direct it to. In the next podcast, I'll bring that question up. And hopefully, you want to beat up Rich because that's what I always want to do. You're not going to receive any emails because that description of your email address, no one will be able to follow that. Oh, all right. Well, how else can I say it? I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Anyway, if you go, okay, here's another way to do it. If you go to our website, down the bottom, you see a little link. So you can go in there to hello at NeuroPublic. Just click on that, put in the subjects podcast, and it'll come straight to me. And I will make sure I cover it in the next one. Okay, let's move on. If I could do it again, what would I do differently? Oh my God, I have got so many answers for this one. Who wants to go first? If you could do it all over again. So Rich, Go back the, from the day you walked in, you're rich today with all your knowledge and you go back, what would you do differently? Charles, love to hear, what would you do differently? Who do we want to start with? Who wants to go first? Yeah, okay. So the, the, thing, the thing that I would do differently that I want everyone to think about when they're doing, trying it out for the first time or doing it differently is to actually map out how their organization creates value, makes money, whatever it might be create a, a chart so that you can see what's the goal of the organization and what are the factors that roll into that. And as you get deeper and more granular, like revenue is the number of visitors I get and the amount that they spend. And the number of visitors I get is a function of a number of factors, like how much new traffic am I driving? Organic traffic is coming, repeat visitors. So you get the idea. If you draw out that chart, it's your map for experimentation. 
Now it might be optimizing like something that exists. It might be adding in something that doesn't exist. But if you, if you map that out, first of all, to understand which levers are we trying to pull? And then even better, if you've got analytics to be able to fill in the numbers, what are each of those elements doing for me right now? Then you can identify where should I start? Because it, it, this is all about creating value. And if you're just running experiments because you think it's a good idea, it might work, but more often, more, more likely it won't. So draw that map, fill it with analytics, and then identify where should I be trying to move the needle? And then experimentation plays nicely into that. And that's got nothing to do with like, you know, conversions or your website. You're talking like where is in what part of the business or like where is in what page? Yeah, well, either. So if, you, if you're doing it across the whole business, you'll probably end up with a number of these. And then yeah. within each division, there's something like you've got the website, we've got the, the customer team, but they all kind of roll up to the same thing. But yeah. if you think about retention, um, someone can go to the website to cancel a service. Someone could write an email, go into a call center agent. Like there is lots of different channels that someone could use to interact with you. Drawing those out and then seeing where is the, the largest area of pain or opportunity. Uh, and, and, then, and then starting to think, how do we want to change that? Yeah. And then experiments support that motion. Yeah, interesting. So you like mind map it out and then start planning where you need to attack, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Jazz, I'm keen to hear yours, man. Yeah, look, I would uh, start with, instead of trying to build our products the way we think it should be built, I actually would have started with APIs and said, these are the outputs that the product needs to give to a consumer. Yep. And if we have APIs that can generate those outputs and super clear documentation on the way that works, we could give, give those APIs to partners, we could give those APIs to you know, agencies, to whoever, and let people come up with their own ideas on the way those things should be executed. And I just think we would have got to where we are a hell of a lot quicker, do you know what I mean? By having many, many brains creating pretty much the same end result in, in whatever the way they could. So that's interesting. What, I, I think what you're saying is like, the technical infrastructure is what's holding back experimentation. If you could do it again, you'd focus on the technical infrastructure as a way of freeing up what you could do and how wide you could go. Exactly. So we've got quite a linear approach, a linear path to, to get the end outcome. Uh, I don't necessarily think that needs to be the case. Like there's a whole bunch of questions that could be reordered, yeah. taken away, added later. Yeah. I just, I just think, um, I don't even know what it would look like. And that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Interesting. That's really interesting. I think to add to you guys, um, there's a couple of things I would do. If I went back to my early self and I had to give myself advice, I still haven't done this, but I would, do, I would try to do this. One is I, I, would, I would actually go and get the board papers and go, what, does it, what matters at the board level that I need to tie back to my experimentation program? That's one thing I would do. I I'd definitely would move away from what's working on the site, what's not working on the site and actually go up and go, what is the priorities for the business and then work that back. That's the first thing I would do. I would not call it CRO and I probably, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'd say the experimentation. I can't find a better word, but I, I definitely would elevate the conversation more towards making statistically sound decisions and really elevate that conversation more than I did at the start, which was really around AB testing and then talking about CRO. So I definitely do that. And I'm still guilty of it today. I still say CRO. And then the last part is, and, and, and to what you're saying, Rich, I wouldn't just go to the marketing department. 
because I think I stayed in my comfort zone talking to marketers because I knew how to talk to marketers. But, you know, going into operations and finance and the other areas of the business that would benefit, I would definitely have added that to my repertoire earlier in the piece rather than later in the piece. They, they would be the three things I would do differently. All right, great. So I think that's a perfect time to go for a little break. So we're going to go away. You're going to listen to music. And when we come back, me, Justin and Rich are going to talk about the top three tips to run a killer experiment. Jazz's one should be good because this man, I remember he told me one that I've now been repeating to everybody else. Killer idea, killer concept. So right after music, after the break, we come back. We're going to kick straight into it. And we are back. Top three tips to run a killer experiment. Rich, why don't you go first? Uh, sure thing. So I've, I've actually got four, which isn't cheating. There are genuinely four. We ran a, a study of a quarter of a million variations to find out whether there are any commonalities between those experiments that actually won. And these are the outputs. So first off, the hypothesis needs to be grounded in data, have analytics, have heat mapping, that's going to help. The second one is bigger changes are better. The indication of that seemed to be 50 to 100 lines of code. The third was that you want to have four or more variations. The fourth was seven or more metrics that you're monitoring for. So don't just go for the one idea that you think is going to win. Come up with a bunch and don't just look at the one metric that's closest to that change or the very end result. Look at everything in between and other areas that Organize, uh, the, your customers could move to. Can you say that first one? How many experiments? Quarter of a million? Uh, quarter, qu quarter of a million variations. Just showing off, really. That's a lot of variations. <laughs> Jaz and I don't have that many. <laughs> Jaz, what, what's your top three tips? My top three tips. Um, so document everything. I know it sounds simple, but it's crazy. Uh, how easy it is to go and run a bunch of experiments and totally sort of right. half the documentation and for everyone to come back and go, so, how did this work? What happened and what did you do? When did you uh, do it? Oh, I remember the yeah. early days when like people wouldn't do it and they're like, what? what? Why would we run this test again? And you're like, yeah. oh, I can't remember. I know, it sounds silly and you so know, true. anyone who's doing this properly is already doing that, but you know, if, if you're not, do it. Get ideas from the outside. So I think everyone within their own business, even with their own, within their own functional team, you know, you set on your own KPIs, you set on your own ideas of what this customer needs or what you need to do. Outside ideas have been have led to some of our, our best performing experiments, including, you know, the one you talk about, Nima, where it's very simple. Instead of asking someone to sign up for something, actually ask them where you can send them something because there's a reason for them to receive something, but there's no reason for them to sign up for anything um, or less of a reason if you like. So yep. um, there's that. Um, and then uh, one of Richard's as well, I agree with looking at uh, looking a lot deeper at the actual results after the experiment's concluded. And what I mean by that is, does this, does this experiment perform the way you think it performs for the most important cohort, as opposed to just the general population of people that saw the experiment? And then, of the people that saw this experiment, how did they perform later on in life and further down the funnel? So it's good to go back to your experiment cohorts and look at them even a couple of months later after the experiment finished, because a whole you know bunch of other things could have changed, like the market could change, 
um, your product can change, the way you're emailing people or whatever can change, even people within the business can change, and all of a sudden that experiment or what you ended up putting into production isn't as, as effective as it used to be. So you can never sort of sit on, like rest on your laurels and forget about it. Love that. All right, here's my, I feel like we need drum rolls for this kind of thing. Next time we're going to bring in drum rolls. Okay, so okay. here's mine with no drum rolls. So the first thing I would say is don't always look for data to give you an experiment. I find some of the most powerful experiments is when you just observe human beings in their natural process. Listen to call center people as they talk. Go and observe people as they go through your website. I find you will find some really interesting insights that you would never have found in analytics. So that's my, my number one. Just be curious about human behavior. I think that's a really important one. The second one is don't stop a test after it's reached significance. Let it run for a little longer. You'll find some interesting behaviors happening in your analytics that will always start to give you a different look at the stats and also those behaviors that come out of the experiment. So beyond that primary metric, what are the other things that are happening that could be interesting that you can take into experiments? So I always find leave the experiment running even after it's reached significance just so you got more data to see what's going on, to see the other behaviors that might be interesting. And the third one is try stupid shit. I had an experiment where someone said, I want to put a green dot next to the phone number. There was no data validating it, nothing. And it was just silly, but she wanted to have a go. And I said, yeah, give it a shot. And she got 109% uplift. And I was like, where did that come from? And she was like, well, I just saw it on Google and Facebook when someone's online to have a green dot. So I just wanted to try it. And, you know, any, everything in your professional methodologies and structures and framework would say, that's not valid. That's not a valid test. But it was such as, it was a crazy shit ID test. But like, sometimes those tests can deliver you some amazing results. So don't always think that good tests have to come from data or good tests has to come from a great insight. Sometimes it's gut feel and that's okay. It's just, it's not professionally sexy to say those things. So I think sometimes, you know, don't look sexy, try something different. So that's my, my other top tip. What do you guys think? Good, good tips? Solid. Solid. I reckon we better see some good experimentation moving forward. Okay, so let's wrap it there. I wanna thank firstly, Richard, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for adding in the gold tips you always add. Thanks, Rich. Uh, I want to say big thanks to Justin for being our special guest. Hopefully, you'll come back on, Just. Yeah? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure. And like I said before, if you have heard anything from any of us or from the first podcast that you really want to put a comment to, we're going to put the email address because as Rich pointed out, it's pretty hard spelling New Republic when it's French. <laughs> Sorry. The Australian Republic took the actual proper spelling. We're going to put it into the notes on the, uh, on the bottom of the podcast so you can actually see where it is so you can use that. Make sure you put podcast in the title and use as much profanities and whatever language you want. We want to hear your opinion and we'll bring it to the next podcast. So with that, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for my guests for being here and we will see you next month in our next podcast. Till then, keep testing. How's that? Smashed it.